Welcome to the Life Lessons Podcast. I'm Jen Stevens. I'm a retired teacher, the author of several books, including the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, and I love nothing more than building community. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've spent my life helping others through my work in healthcare and as a volunteer for various organizations. We are friends who share a love of learning, problem solving, and bringing people together. Each week, join us as we share inspiring stories and bring you new ideas designed to help you live your best life. So now let's learn something new, get inspired and have some fun. Hi, everybody. We are so glad you're here today. Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Fabulous because it's a beautiful spring day. I got to walk a couple of miles, wait in the ocean. It was such such a nice day. You did that today already? Yeah. That's I mean, wonderful. it's like it's three o'clock in the afternoon here. <laughs> right? Well, yeah. okay. Well, yes. Some of us don't get up at 530 in the morning. I wake up and watch the sunrise, <laughs> Sherry. I've had a lot of days since I got up. <laughs> That's so funny. I don't know what I've been doing lately. I go to bed and I sleep about four or five hours and then I wake up like wide awake. And so then I get up and do a little work and then I go back to bed. Well, I'm sleeping a good eight or nine hours every night, which feels like a miracle. Well, I might get seven and a half or eight. I just have like an hour and a half. You do it in a spaced up way. Like from five to six thirty, I was up working this morning. Have you ever read that article that was shared at some point about people taking it like it being natural to like get up in the middle of the night and do some stuff? I've read that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was like some article that that I read years ago for the first time, and it had to do with like I can't remember what they called it, but that. In the Middle Ages, like that was just pretty much normal. People would go to bed, and then they'd wake up in the middle of the night and, and do stuff, and then they would go back to bed for a second sleep. Yeah. So maybe we're fighting against that. our n- normal rhythms. We should be having a second sleep every night. Maybe. I don't know. I kind of wonder if I have like a cortisol surge around 5 a.m. because it's around 5 a.m. I'm starting to wake up. Okay. What time and do you I go to bed? did this. What time do you go to bed? Oh, my body doesn't wind down to fall asleep until like 1.30. We got okay. in bed at 11, but it was 1.30 before I fell asleep last night. Yeah. So my body. <laughs> Nine o'clock and I'm like, all right, I'm ready But you know bed. what's crazy? My sleep was 100% like amazing until we went into daylight savings time. That's so interesting. And I have not slept through the night since then. That's so weird. Because I just kept doing what I was doing. It just was different on the clock. Like, Well, you know, so one of the, I used to struggle with my sleep and I would struggle with like a three or four o'clock awakening until I read the sleep doctor's book and realized I'm just a late night person and I right. shouldn't be trying to force myself to go to sleep early. And if I just naturally let my body fall asleep when it wants to fall asleep, it'll be 2.30 or 3 a.m. Well, unfortunately, then I have to sleep till like 11 or noon and I feel like I've lost the day. So I have been kind of trying to force myself to go to bed earlier. And I think it's disrupting my sleep. Yeah, I get it. So our bodies want to do what they want to do. I need it's to stop to trying them. to conform with the world. And there you go. <laughs> that, I, that's good advice. Okay. Our show is over. Thank you for listening. <laughs> 
All right. Well, I have a really, really lovely good news segment uh, story to share today. Um, I actually saw this story online and I was telling Eric about it as it really touched me. And then he saw an update on the story and he sent it to me this weekend. So this story might be extra special to me just because I have personal experience with this issue. And I know what this poor family is going through. So last month, a Michigan mom reached out to her local media and shared her difficulty in finding shoes to fit her 14-year-old high school freshman. Her son, Eric, is a 6'10 athlete with size 23 feet. Wow. He comes from a very tall family, and he is not done growing. So most shoe companies do not make shoes big enough for her son, and the only advice she has received was to have custom shoes made to the tune of $1,500. And, you know, he's a growing kid. She's like, I can't do that. So he is not even able to wear cleats when he plays sports. He's a football player. And um, it has led to him having, you know, ankle injuries and stuff. Well, so she said last year they happened to stumble upon several pairs of size 21 Nikes at an outlet store. And they had been specially made for an NBA player. And even though they were too small, um, that was like the best they could find for her son. And that's what he wore. And it caused him to have foot pain and ingrown toenails. And ultimately, he had to have his toenails on his big toes removed. Yikes. So after she reached out locally, somebody started a GoFundMe to help get this kid some custom-made shoes. And they quickly raised over $20,000 to help fund his shoe bills over the next several years, especially as he continues to grow. Well, a couple of companies got wind of what was happening, and they stepped in to help. Under Armour and Puma have now sent representatives to their home to measure his feet for custom shoes, and they will take about two months to make. And Kat reached out and offered to make him some boots for the cold Michigan winters. And then last Wednesday, Shaquille O'Neal called Eric. Shaq, who wears a size 22, empathized with Eric, sharing that when he was Eric's age, uh, his mom also could not find shoes to fit him. Reebok, who makes shoes for Shaq, sent Eric five pairs of shoes that had been made for Shaq. And while they are still a little small, they fit him much better than the shoes he has been wearing. After Shaq called Eric's, Eric's mom said, I have never seen my son smile so big. It's tough to get a smile from a teen, but he is over the moon and thrilled and blown away with now having options for shoes. And I just love that after this story went viral, companies who didn't have to stepped in to help. And you just really never know, you know, how sharing your struggles can truly help you in the end. I agree. I really think that that's true. They do. People do want to help. And I'm just trying to visualize what size 23 feet would be like. Well, my ex-husband wore an 18 or 19. Wow. And I just prayed every day that Parker did not have his dad's feet. And luckily, he stopped at a 15. I don't even understand 15. I mean, (laughs) when a person needs shoes and you just cannot find them. I can't I mean, he was seven foot tall, too. So, I mean, even just finding pants and shirts was a trial. And it's something that people who can just go to any shoe store. I mean, even I can't go to a shoe store and buy shoes. I'm like a woman's 11 and a half 4E. I have flippers, not feet. So, (laughs) like, I get this. It's hard. Well, I'm going to say uh, appreciation for, see, I'm in the other problem where I have such a common shoe size that they're like like, eight. Well, seven and a half to eight. (laughs) So they can be sold out. That's my biggest problem. (laughs) Yeah. I have such a common size that they're sold out. But 
it's still, I'm never going to complain about that again. I also never buy shoes. <laughs> like literally I wear, I wear flip-flops or I wear my Uggs. Sometimes right? I'll throw on my Allbirds, you know, if I need a little something. Anyway. I'm picturing this poor kid having to like make rope sandals like the Romans I, I was, I'm wondering. Anyway, that, that's a great story. Thank you to those companies. So listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. So before we get to the life lesson of the week, we always talk about some of the companies that make it possible for us to bring you the podcast. And today, once again, I'd like to mention all of the amazing companies that are featured at jenstevens.com slash cleanish. So when it comes to eating mostly clean, you know I rely on meals from Green Chef, window-worthy openers from Daily Harvest, and clean wines from Dry Farm Wines. And when it comes to living mainly clean, I use Beauty Counter for my makeup, skincare, shampoo, and conditioner, and Branch Basics for my household cleaning needs, including laundry. And if you haven't yet read Cleanish, now would be a great time. It's never too late to make small but positive changes that all add up to make a big difference in your overall chemical load. And don't be intimidated. You know, yeah, there's stuff all around us, but you know, just changing out your cleaning products can make a huge difference because you're, you know, you spray that stuff all the time around your house. Um, it's easy to do. So go to jenstevens.com slash cleanish for links to purchase cleanish, as well as links with special offers to all of my favorite clean companies, Green Chef, Daily Harvest, Dry Farm Wines, Beauty Counter, and Branch Basics. Well, now it's time for our life lesson of the week. So the other day I was reading a funny meme and before reading it to my husband to see if he agreed, I asked him the question posed in the meme. And the question was, what is the relationship advice you could give that changes everything? Now, this was funny. So the answer was separate comforters. I know that one is so funny that <laughs> that was his advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but I thought, you know, I wonder what my husband would say if I asked him this question. And I kind of wondered, like, would he tell me something funny or would he be serious about it? And when he replied, I was kind of blown away by what he shared with me. So let me preface this by saying that my I am my husband's fourth wife. When I met him, he was 30 and had three failed marriages. And, you know, some people may have seen red flags and ran away. But, you know, there's me. I'm always up for a challenge, I guess. <laughs> what I saw was potential. I saw a man who said he would never get married again, as did I. Yet we fell in love. And ultimately, he asked me to marry him. And let me tell you, the first few years were hard. I was constantly like... No wonder this man has been married three times before me. <laughs> but through trial and error, he finally figured it out. And when I asked him, he said that he changed one thing in our relationship that he had never done prior. And that is he always puts me first. Anytime he makes a choice, he asks himself, how will I react to that choice? Will it make me angry or sad? Will it cause me to lose trust and faith in him? And if the answer he comes up with is yes, he just doesn't do it. He said in his prior relationships, he never took his spouse into consideration. He did what he wanted and when he wanted. And if they got bad, so be it. In his mind, it wasn't his job to make them happy. And during that time, he was miserable and his relationships were miserable. 
But with me, he realized that making me happy and making me a priority in his life actually makes him happier and more fulfilled, which in turn makes him more confident and invested in our marriage. And he said he never realized that making another person happy and keeping them from being stressed out would actually make his life better. So he said now, before making any decision, even if it's as simple as leaving a room, he turns around to see if it's clean before turning the lights off. And he asks himself, would my wife be pleased? And if the answer is no, then he fixes it. So that was a biggie, like proud wife moment for me. And it just made me love him knowing that he takes me into consideration like that. I love that. So I immediately texted Jen after that conversation and I said, hey, I've got an idea for a podcast episode. And we turned to the Life Lessons Facebook community and asked them to share their best relationship advice. And we were blown away by the sheer volume of responses. So unfortunately, we may not get to all of them today, but we will certainly do our best. So Jen, let's start with you. Do you have any best advice? Well, I thought about this. I have two. Can I share two? Sure. All right. The first is, I think my best advice is to agree to disagree you know, over the years, you're going to be with this person probably for a long, long time. And there is no need to agree a hundred percent on everything or be exactly alike. You know, I remember a long time ago, I mean, this was probably early in my own, in my marriage, we got married in 1991, but my stepmother said something. She said it was along the lines of, if the two of you are exactly alike, one of you is irrelevant. And I'm like, huh, that's, that's, you know, <laughs> that made me really think because you need someone that compliments you, someone who has strengths that are different than yours, mm-hmm. and it's okay to have different thoughts. So, you know, of course, we want to have things in common with our spouse. One of the cornerstones of what brought us together were some of the things that we shared, but having differences of opinion or different interests is normal and expected. And for me, that that looks like never going along with something that you know in your heart is wrong just to, you know, to make peace because that that's hard inside. You know, you want to be yourself, be confident enough to communicate your ideas and opinions without feeling like you have to get your own way or always be right. Because that also, that's a relationship killer. Yep. I agree so much. My ex-husband constantly would talk me into doing things I knew was wrong, like financial decisions or whatever. And he would just wear me down and wear me down. And he would do this, like, this is what I need to be really happy. And then I would give in. Mm-hmm. And what that did was cause a lot of resentment in our yes. marriage. Yep, that's exactly right. And you may not realize that's what's happening, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that they're going to resent you. You're going to get your way, but it's not going to go well. So along those same lines, I want to add, don't try to change who your, your partner is at his or her core. So, you know, we all change over the years naturally as a part of living life. Like, you know, I think Eric is a great example. Mm-hmm. You know, he learned from his past he changed, but it isn't your responsibility to change somebody else. Any change they want to make is their own responsibility. You know, he could have come into this marriage with you, Sherry, with the same you know, mindset that he had right. in his three prior marriages, but instead he wanted to change. Mm-hmm. So the impetus has to come from within your partner. You know, nobody wants to feel like they're being, being nagged to be different. You know, we want to be able to be ourselves. You want to be able to relax in your own home, and so does your partner. So, um, you know, sometimes this is easier said than done because there may be that one habit that drives you crazy. You know, if it's driving you total crazy, it's okay to mention it. Like, you know, Chad likes to store things in the refrigerator for later to drink. 
It was driving me crazy. <laughs> so finally, I just said something like, you know, I don't like the way this glass is always in the refrigerator. I could knock it over, which has happened. So right. he got something with a lid. Now he stores it in there and he takes the lid off and he drinks it. Yes, he's drinking out of an old Duke's mayonnaise jar. Oh, well. <laughs> I can't worry about that. I can only worry about he took. You, you know, met here. in the middle. We met in the middle. Exactly I right. But, you know, your your spouse is who they are at they, their core. If you've got an introvert, he's not going to be an extrovert. Maybe he'll make an effort to go out with you sometimes, but he's not going to be a different person. That is very true. Yeah. That is very true. I think my best piece of advice is just allow yourself to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. If you cannot share with your spouse your innermost thoughts and feelings and your struggles and your, you know, insecurities. They can't help you with them. Right. And they could potentially, if they don't, if they're not aware of them and, you know, like I'm thinking if something about you, about yourself bothered you and they joked about it, Every time they joked about it, it was going to make, it's going to make you feel bad. Right. Right. But if you can say, Hey, that that's like an insecurity I have. I'd rather you not joke about that. As hard as that may be, that's only going to strengthen your relationship. Yeah. Communication is so important. Being able to be honest and open and share Mm -hmm. without an agenda, just to say, Mm -hmm. this is the way I feel. And Yeah, I see a lot of people will be like, oh, I could tell my girlfriend that, but I could never tell my husband that. And I'm like, no, you have that backwards. Yeah. Like your husband or your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend, you know, that you're in a long-term committed relationship with, they're supposed to be your number one that you turn to. Yeah. So that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let's jump in to some listeners advice. And I love all of these so much. Amy Jo says, as much as you love each other, you still need to take the time to be with just yourself, doing something you enjoy or doing nothing at all. My favorite way to be myself is to get my house clean and then maybe enjoy a good show. No one likes but me. If the weather is nice, I also like to work out in my yard. So I'll hop on the mower and piddle in my flower beds. And there's always pool time in the summer. Give to yourself as much as you give of yourself. That will help you appreciate each other even more when you have time together. I love that. Yeah. So we have Alicia from Birmingham, Alabama. She said, take a little time regularly to remember the reasons you selected your partner. This will help you keep perspective and not let little annoyances get blown out of proportion. Also, don't share a bathroom if at all possible. Amen. Yes. (laughs) That is so true. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Terry McDonald from Lake Martin, Alabama, also known as Sweet Tea. And I know exactly where Lake Martin is, Terry. She said, I recently attended a wedding and after the vows, the exchange of rings, etc. But before he pronounced them man and wife, the pastor had them each look at each other and say, you are not my enemy. You are my advocate. So many times marriages end because the husband and wife view themselves as competitors instead of teammates. One thing I tell young brides is to walk away from conversations when other women are bashing their mates because it becomes contagious. That's really good advice. All right. Linda from South Dakota says 27 years of marriage. And for us anyway, it's been to talk it out. 
I hate not knowing what's going on if we have problems and everyone does. His family isn't big on confrontations if they're not happy, but my mom and I were very close. So I brought to the marriage the importance of communication to know when we're having good times and work on things when he seems unhappy. Um, In our early days, this wasn't easy for him. So I went slow, not being pushy, but he knew I wanted what was best for him. Now he's used to it and we have a happy, most of the time marriage. So it wasn't a hard way to learn it as much as practice and follow through. I always show I have his best interests at heart. And I love the way Linda did that, Sherry. She was intentional about it. She didn't just jump right in, but she taught him gently how to communicate. And communication is a skill. And, you know, that's something my husband still struggles with. Yeah. But he just didn't grow up in a real communicative family. Yeah. I mean. He hadn't seen it modeled. Right. You might be mad, but you didn't talk about why you're mad. You just stomped around and was mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so getting him to really like stop and identify his feelings and talk to me is something that he really had to learn. And it did take patience. Christy says, always let your spouse think he's right. Even if he's not, you will both know the truth in the end. And then her second piece of <laughs> advice, it's true. Well, you know, there, when some things, you know, maybe it would matter on, but when you can, I agree, right? <laughs> you know, whatever you think, that's a powerful statement. If it's not something life or death, like, should you pay the taxes? Exactly. <laughs> right. Whatever you think is a great, powerful phrase. And then, Eric will get upset and say, why do you always get to be right? Like, he knows I'm right, but he just hates to admit that I'm right. Yeah, Exactly. And her other piece of advice is whenever you aren't with your spouse in person, act and speak as if he were right there. If you wouldn't mind him seeing or hearing what you are doing, then you are doing it right. That's really, really good advice. I use that advice as a, as a teacher. Um, I never said anything to a kid that I wouldn't want their parents to hear uh-huh. me saying to them. Like that was my rule of thumb from early, early in my teaching career. And that made a big difference. If I wouldn't say it, in front of their parents, I wouldn't say it to them. But there you go. If you don't want your spouse seeing what you're doing, you shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> That's Super very good true. All right. Kathy shares, we are not competitors. We're a team. We work together to find solutions to problems. And she also adds, don't forget to laugh at yourself. And I think that's true. That's part of being vulnerable, right? Yep. Being able to laugh at yourself. Absolutely. Josie Ann says, we did the opposite of the no going to bed mad. We subscribe to the no having a discussion mad. By all means, agree you're going to talk about it at a specific time, such as tomorrow after dinner. You can go to bed mad, sleep on it, calm your head, and then have a rational discussion with the goal of solving the problem, not winning the argument. And don't give each other the silent treatment in the meantime. Trust me, 24 hours later, you'll both be much more apt to make amends and see each other's point of view instead. Oh, I love that. I do love that. Don't have a discussion mad. That's when you're going to say things you didn't want to say. Absolutely, It comes right out. Well, and you're also (laughs) so busy defending your position that you can't hear the other Mm -hmm. person's position sometimes. So I do love that. Just take a pause, take a cooling off period. Think we'll, about Let's come situation. back to this later. Yeah, love I love it. that. All right. Amy on the ranch says, never take anything shouted in the cattle corrals to heart. It's a stressful situation and nobody means what they say in that moment. So it's similar kind of a thing. Anything said in the heat of the moment. Yep. Although I, I have to it's say. It's like when you're doing home renovations with your spouse. Same thing. <laughs> Same Those thing. are the ones that, that, that like 
I don't know. I I would be just really careful what I said in the heat of the moment because that's when sometimes your truest feelings <laughs> might come out. <laughs> the one you've been holding in. <sighs> anyway, oh. try to try to move on from those. <laughs> Marie from Iowa says, for new or young couples, don't be in a hurry to tattle to your parents when you are arguing with your spouse. You will probably forgive your spouse long before your parents forgive the person who upset their son or daughter. And for all couples, keep things current. Talk about your problems and irritations now rather than letting them fester and erupt. It will always be an inopportune time. And always follow up complaints with compliments and genuine love. We all have flaws, but we all have our good points as well. I and love you know, that. Keep things that, current. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say to that whole point, do not bring up something that happened 10 years ago in the middle of an argument about something today. <laughs> Chad's a big, a big past reliver. Like, we were I having guess- an argument in 2019 and he brought up something that happened in like 1995. I'm like, what? You've been holding, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Right. You know that I I'm know. not exaggerating. I've told you this story before. I'm like, you literally have been holding onto this since 1995 and you're mentioning it now in 2019. I'm no, I don't even know who that girl was that was there in two, two, or in 1995. Who was that girl? I don't know. Right. She's not here today. Well, and this <laughs> is where I think I've heard of people having like once a month they sit down, they have an airing of grievances. And it's at a time where you're not upset about anything. You're not in a fight about anything. It's not an argument. You just sit down and you can talk about anything that's bothering you that you're holding on to or something that they did that you didn't like. And it's just a time to come together. Okay, this would be a good thing that you could throw out in an airing of the grievances. Like someday while you're sitting on the beach, Chad could say, could I tell you something that really bothered me that you did a long time ago? And I still think about it. Right. And then he could get it off his chest. But you exactly. don't throw up something that happened in the past in the middle no, of an argument. Because it's irrelevant. Today. Yeah, it's, it's totally, right? it's, you're not, it's not the same. So. Yep. And, you know, and, and once you said, oh, I can't believe I did that. I certainly wouldn't do that now. It's over. Move on. Right. Don't write it in your, like, you, you know, carve it in stone on your heart or something. That's, yes. uh, that really is not good for a relationship. All right. Kenna says, I always think before doing something. And she said, if he were to do this, would it upset me? If it would, then I don't do it. Empathy. We've been together 34 years. That. Reminds me of what my husband said. Yeah. So Gay from Illinois, she said, I've been a widow now for four years. I was married for 47. We always were able to laugh at each other. A sense of humor is so important, I think. Be close and intimate with one another as long as possible. It makes you mentally and physically healthier. In our mind, we never got old. Oh, I love that. All right. Jennifer Jensen says, the best advice I received after I got married was to never start anything in the beginning of your marriage that you don't want to do for the rest of your marriage. <laughs> so I'm like trying to think of what that might be like, you know, like you're always the one who does the laundry. Do you always want to do the laundry? If, right. Then that's how it's going to go forever. Do you right? always want to clean all the toilets in the house or do right. you want to divvy those up in the beginning? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so she also said the best advice I give is that the first year of marriage can be really, really hard. Keep going. You adjust. And just because it's hard doesn't mean you shouldn't stick with it. That's true. That's a huge area or time of learning of each other and like meshing your ways. Absolutely. 
Faith from Florida says, if you're not getting good quality sleep, it's perfectly okay to sleep in separate rooms. Sleep is vital to your physical and mental health. Sleeping separately helped our marriage last for nearly 39 years this past summer. Also, definitely make sure you still enjoy time together separate from your children. That way, when the kids grow up and leave, the two of you remember how to be together and how to enjoy each other. That's a good one. All right. Melissa from Virginia says, my husband and I have been married for almost 24 years. We've been blessed with four wonderful children and have shared many great times together. Has every day been wonderful and filled with bliss? Of course not. There's no such thing as a perfect marriage. Years ago, when we were newlyweds, our pastor's wife gave us a wonderful piece of advice. She said, never say divorce. When we throw around this word, when we're upset with one another, it only leads to doubt. Doubt about our feelings for each other. Doubt about how strong our relationship is. She told us, never even let divorce be an option for your marriage. Whatever happens, be committed to working through it. We took this advice to heart, and I can honestly say we've never spoken this word to one another in 23 years. Yes, we've had disagreements, but we are committed to one another and working it out. I would also say put God in the center of your relationship and pray when things need work in your marriage. He wants us to have peace in our relationships and will help us work through whatever we're dealing with. Carol in South Utah, she said, be kind, even when in the midst of a disagreement with your spouse, sharp or hurtful words spoken can never be taken back. That is so true. Though we can forgive those words, the really painful things said in the heat of anger can never truly be forgotten. I can honestly say that in our 56 years of marriage, my husband and I have always been kind to each other with our words. Love can continue to grow and flourish if we remember this. Yeah, that's what I was talking about before. When you're really upset, you like throw out that humdinger thing that's so hurtful. Don't do that. Keep it inside no matter how much you might want your your partner to hurt. Like you're feeling hurt, but it's hard to unhurt that, right? Take that back. Um, All right. Kim from Illinois says, my first piece of advice is to learn your spouse's love language and use it often, even when you don't feel like they're worthy of your love in that moment. Dr. Gary Chapman has written many great books on identifying and utilizing the five love languages. Another piece of advice I have is to forgive your spouse quickly and often. I agree with that completely. Um, this is great advice. And we actually had an episode on the, the subject of love languages um, on episode 11 of this podcast. That was a long yeah. time ago. Now we're on 126. Yeah. Wow. Time is flying. Mary from DFW, she says, baseline, be polite to each other. Basic kindergarten stuff like saying please and thank you and pardon me aren't optional. Also, don't talk smack and complain about your person to others. The way some people talk to and about their spouse is shocking. Be your person's best PR. It's for your own good. I think so, too, because, you know, if you're having a hard time and then you say some things to your family or to your friends, maybe you're venting, but then, you know, later they're like, they don't see the good parts. They're only seeing the parts you're like putting out there and they're right. getting, you know, an incomplete picture. Yes, All right. Chris from Wisconsin says, my husband and I have been together for 38 years. Marriage takes a lot of give and take. Giving up too easy is not an option in our house. You work through 
all the stuff, the big stuff and the small stuff. We know we need to have time away from each other. And to me, that is the number one important thing. Have your own friends and you do your own thing some of the time and then do things together. We don't like the same types of TV shows, so we don't watch TV together very often. It's okay. Compromise, compromise, and compromise. Be each other's advocates and laugh every single day. Melody from Wisconsin says, there are no defined roles in our marriage. If it needs to be done, we do it. When our children were small, my husband's job was nights and weekends. So he would be home with our girls during the week, and I was home with them on weekends. It was great when they were young, but as they got older and in school, he got a more traditional job. But those early years helped us realize that we were equal partners in all aspects of our marriage. All right. Pam says, strive to be kind in all of your interactions. You may not always agree. You may hurt one another. But try your best to never purposefully cause wounds. Each of us brought our own past traumas and sadnesses to our relationship. If our love is true and we really want the very best life for our partner, we should try to imagine how our words and actions can contribute to that end. Once you let that verbal arrow fly, there's no slipping it back into the quiver. That is so true. Yep. Yep. Uh, I had to like read that again. About the bringing past traumas and sadness to our relationship. It's yeah. true. Yeah. Whether and you we, often, whether in, we mean to or not, we do. And well, we and we interpret behavior. things based on what we've been through in the mm-hmm. past and assign, you know, motivations that aren't there. That's, mm-hmm. that's hard. Well, and often we often uh, model behaviors that were shown to us. Right. When we were kids based off of like, the relationships we saw in our lives. Right. So it's, I think it's important to think like, is that how I want my relationship to be? Yeah. And and then try to try to do it different. Liz says, this is not exactly advice, but I recall when I was a newlywed 10 years ago now, hearing someone say something to the effect of, there will be days when you feel extremely in love and there'll be days when you won't be able to stand looking at the person you're married to. Over the years, I've thought about that from time to time, and it's helped me feel more relaxed about the times when bad weather blows through the marriage. When bad times come or fights happen, I know that it's only natural and it will pass. I think this viewpoint was especially important in the early years of my marriage with the stress of having very little kids. And I thought about it again several times during the pandemic when we were both so fried working from home and doing e-learning with the kids and in each other's faces all day and night. All right. Kathy from Wyoming says, never go to bed angry with each other. My parents always told me this, and I have worked hard in my marriage to do the same. It's easier to sleep without the unspoken anger in your heart. There have been a few times when I was angry at bedtime and it was awful. The tears and unrest aren't worth it. We also never leave without a kiss and saying, I love you. Life is too short and you never know when your time on earth will be over. Don't regret telling your loved ones how much they mean to you and hold hands. It just feels good. Are you a hand holder? Yes, I like to hold hands. Chad is not, though. I'm not a hand holder. I, I, sometimes I want to hold hands. <laughs> it makes me feel cared for. Really? Yeah. <laughs> He's not much of a hand holder. He like, wrenches it away as soon as he can. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, Eric is not a hand holder, and neither am I, so that oh, works okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like a hand on my leg or arm mm-hmm. or shoulder, but not on my hand. I don't know. Uh, Suzanne in New Zealand, she said, expect your partner to change sometimes in unexpected ways, actively work to change together, to grow in the same direction. 
no one stays the same throughout their lives. And it takes focus to grow together rather than growing apart. Find the things you both enjoy and nurture them. My husband and I developed a list. We called it our tenets. Basically, a few statements about things that were important to us that we used for decision making. We reviewed and edited this list regularly. This also helped us grow in the same direction because it defined our longer term wishes, dreams, and desires. Some examples include taking an international vacation at least every five years, living somewhere scenic and beautiful, visiting family often, but making sure we also had time for our own vacations, seeking out meaningful and lucrative work, but also making sure that work was not the center of our lives, spending time every day talking to each other. We've been married for 34 years now and recently moved from the U.S. to New Zealand. I doubt we could have managed it without this focus on growing together. I love that. All right. Sheila from Washington State says, funny you should ask. Just yesterday, I thought to myself, I wish women could understand that men are not like they are portrayed in movies. My husband has been the romantic guy who planned a whole anniversary meal, including candles. He's also the man who leaves his socks and t-shirt on the living room floor. He's the man who had a catastrophic injury at work, which cut off his right hand and ended his maintenance career. He's also the man who has taken over doing the laundry and dishes while I work full time. Um, and she adds, his hand was reattached, but has very limited function and no feeling. That sounds awful. That I'm does sound awful. So sorry that happened, Sheila. Um, let's see. He's the man who will talk my ear off when I come home from working a long day in my bakery, telling me about the podcast he listened to while changing the oil in the car. Most of the time, I have a very limited interest in his podcasts, LOL. He is also the man who will sit on the couch with me and watch those chick flicks that gave me the idea it would be fun to be married in the first place. By the way, he always has the plot figured out well before I do, and he is always right. So all of this to say, marriage is never what you expect it to be. But if you stick with it, some pretty amazing things could happen. Um, we've been married for 32 years, and it's been a wild ride. We have two children and now two grandchildren. I wouldn't change anything. When I get frustrated, I remind myself no one is perfect, including myself. So it's not going to be a Hallmark Channel movie, Sherry. It is not. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, Tammy from Minnesota said, we each thought we married up or married someone better than we deserved. We don't try to change each other, but continuously try to voice our appreciation and respect for each other. I love All right. that they both think they married up. I know. I like that, too. Yeah. Jenny Carlson from Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia, says, no TV or cell phones in the bedroom. Leave that time in bed for talking, snuggling, sleeping, etc. Red heart. <laughs> <laughs> Sue from Ontario, Canada, said, treat your spouse like a very important guest in your home. If you get up to get a glass of water, always ask if they want one. We have always adhered to this, and when my husband gave this advice to his brother in the speech at his wedding, the guests spontaneously broke into applause. Also, express gratitude for everything your partner does for you. Thank him for making dinner, getting the tires changed, and cutting the grass, even if those are, quote, his jobs around the house. My kids grew up watching this, and they literally, as women in their 20s, thank me for everything I do for them. Thank you for picking me up from the train for making dinner, for doing the laundry. Living with an attitude of gratitude makes our house a happy home. I love that. All right. Cheryl says, have separate bank accounts and one joint account. 
deposit the same amount of money each into the joint account to pay all the household bills and a bit extra. Keep the rest separate for each of you. We've never fought about money. We can each buy or use our own money in whatever way we would like. Do y'all do that, Sherry? Do y'all have? We don't. No. <laughs> We're all all together. We're all my piled together. My husband doesn't even have a bank account. His paycheck goes into my account. And you just manage it all. I manage it all. Well, this is a part of knowing your strengths, right? Yes. And my husband knows his strength is not paying bills or mm-hmm. worrying about money whatsoever. So mm-hmm. he gets a stipend every week. and Yeah. And it. that works for y'all. Yep. He doesn't have to ask permission to use it. It's just that's what he gets. And Yep. It's based on the budget. You have a budget. That's his part of the, yeah, that that makes sense. All right. Shelly from Detroit says, the best piece of advice that my husband and I received was from our pastor during pre-marriage counseling. While we were planning the details that a wedding entails, my husband would listen to all the options and then reply, I don't care. I took this to mean he literally did not care about our wedding, which made me feel really unhappy. Our pastor suggested we use, I love you and trust your judgment. Now, doesn't that evoke a very different feeling? The way we say things does matter. It's one of our most favorite lines, and we use it often. It's something simple, but has had a big impact on a relationship. You know, that's like what I said, Sherry, earlier. It's like whatever you think is mm-hmm. is the same kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever you think implies that you trust the other person, right. whereas I don't care means not interested. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just a s- switch of that. W- the wording makes that such a different yep. message. Peef from Iowa said, I've been married 40 years and the best advice I can give is one, always have your spouse's back Two, never say negative things about him to others. Three, find ways to be kind. Sometimes it's just little things refilling his coffee. Sometimes it's big things. I'm lucky he does these things for me, too. We're hearing a lot of common themes, which I like, mm-hmm. you know, not talking negatively about your spouse to others, being kind. And here's here's one that reiterates that Mimi from Connecticut. After 33 years of marriage, my best advice is to be as kind as possible, even when you don't feel like it. Steady kindness is like depositing money in the bank that will come back to you with interest. Fiona from Down Under wrote, I think it's most important to be on the same page financially. Financial stress is a major cause for marital breakdown. That is true, is one of the biggest causes of marital breakdown. Taking the time to assess your financial goals and come up with a financial plan that you both agree on is the first step. Set a really thorough budget and stick to it. Take time every now and again to assess where you're at and make changes as necessary. Make sure each person has a little to spend at their discretion anyhow they like, no matter how frivolous the other person may think it is. My husband and I have had a pretty good marriage over the last 22 years, but when we got our finances in order about six years ago, it took a lot of niggly arguments away and our relationship got even better. I wish we had done it right from the start. Yeah, I think that's important. You know, everybody gets to decide how they want to spend their money, right? Mm Mm-hmm. All right, full-time RVer Linda says, keep your wedding cards or Valentine's or anniversary cards in a box. When you have your first disagreement, one of you should think to grab the box and randomly choose a card to read out loud. It's very hard to stay angry when you start remembering your love. I love that. Yeah. Jesse from Chesney, South Carolina 
Do you know where that is, Jen? Chesney. Mm, I've heard of it. I feel like it's in the upstate. Okay. I've never heard of it. She says marriage is not 50-50. It is 100-100, meaning each person gives 100% every day. Marriage should be your most important relationship. Treat it that way. I like that a lot. I'm looking at where, where Chesney is because I just want to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was right. I feel so good about that because, you know, it is near um, it's near Spartanburg. So awesome. Right. Yeah, upstate, just like I thought. All right. Um, Anne from Durham says, two things can be true. Understanding someone's perspective is not the same as agreeing with them or saying that they are right. Try to ask questions so that you can get to a place of saying, that makes sense that you feel that way. I understand. Not that you agree, but that you understand where they're coming from. I love that. Yeah. And I have a friend named Anne who lives in Durham, and I have to wonder if that's her. We met in grade school. Oh, I love that. I love old friends that we are stayed connected to. Cheryl from Florida. She says, I've been married for 36 years. I used to get angry at him because he'd end up stealing the blankets when we were sleeping and I would wake up freezing and angry while he was wrapped up toasty warm like a burrito. About 21 years ago, I had a couple of strokes. It was easier for me to have my own blankets when I came home from the rehab hospital. We both have our own top sheet and blanket. We both loved it, and I found out later it's a Scandinavian thing, and they've been doing it for years. But it's just an awesome way to sleep comfortably without getting angry at the bank blanket stealer or resorting to separate beds. One other thing that we do is we have our own things to do. We do things together, but I don't expect him to enjoy shopping with me. He doesn't expect me to go fishing with him. We learn to fight in a productive way. I think it was something I learned from Dr. Phil. If we have a grievance, focus on that specific issue. Do not bring other issues into the discussion. One annoying topic per discussion. I love that. Those are yeah. great rules. I think love so that. too. All right. Danielle from Southern Illinois says you have to be a team when parenting, making big decisions, discussing the future, etc. As a mom of three kids, it's essential to be on the same page with my spouse when it comes to parenting. Everyone will give unsolicited advice, but only you and your significant other are going to know what works best for your family. Making decisions financially, logistically, and life-altering needs to be a team effort. Those hard conversations will help you grow as a couple, and you can never communicate enough. Lastly, never stop dating your spouse. Life gets crazy with kids, careers, hobbies, and extracurricular activities. Make sure to schedule dates at least once a month to keep the connection. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. It can be dinner at home, a coffee date on the patio, whatever you need to keep that connection. Debbie says, my husband and I have been married for 45 years. One of our main rules is to not assume that we can read each other's minds. If we need something, if something is wrong, we must speak it. The other piece of advice I think is very important is to show and speak respect for your partner. This is the person I've shared, I have chosen to share my life with. I will not dishonor him by speaking negatively or about him or griping about him. As an aside, we are still crazy in love with each other. Every day he sends me a, quote, daily sweet email, and I respond back with a back at you. We consider ourselves members of the True Love Club. I love that. All right. This is Donna. Okay. Pronounce Donna's last name for me, Sherry. Oh, gosh. Um, 
I know who Donna is. I just don't know how to say her name. Gutaskus? Gutaskus? All right, Donna, you'll have to tell us if we got that right. (laughs) That's what I'm going to say. From Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Um, Donna says, marriage grew finer with age, like wine. We laugh more now in our empty nest stage than ever before. We can't stay angry with each other very long because we constantly crack jokes. We never used to laugh this much because we worried about the kids before. Now it's our time and it's fantastic. Just wait and see. Oh, and separate TVs whenever possible. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think that's a common thread. You need some separate time. Yeah, that's something I'm working on my husband with. Really? Yeah, he would carry me in his pocket if he could. Yeah. And I can't quite get him to understand. I just need my own downtime. Yep. I need to do what I want to do with a clear mind and not worrying about him or him making requests and demands of me like sometimes i just want to check out yeah so kathy from wisconsin she said i used to think that my husband was a very critical person and i couldn't do anything right communication was extremely difficult and we were having trouble having a simple conversation about anything luckily i happened upon a byron katie video on youtube called he criticizes me and it changed my thinking in a blink I realized I was making up stories about what he was thinking, which weren't true. I studied Byron Katie's method and used her worksheet free at her website, and it changed me. Our marriage was saved, and I'm a much happier, sane person. All right. Byron Katie, everybody. He criticizes me. I haven't seen that. That sounds interesting. No, I'm that. Part part of the problem is when we tell each other stories in our, yes. or, you know, tell ourselves stories in our head about what other people are thinking. That's... Well, this is actually a problem in my life. I'm going to have to look into this because I can say like, okay, you know, our caraway pans, you're not supposed to take from the burner and put in water. Right. So my husband very graciously made me some chicken to take to work last weekend while I was getting ready for work. And then I heard, you know, the sizzling sound. Sizzle of the water. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no, goodness. Yeah. And I know I've said this to him before, but I was like, I'm not going to say something right now because he's going to take it negatively because he's trying to help me. Right. So I waited like 24 hours and he was talking about doing dishes. And I said, by the way, I had heard you yesterday take the hot pan off the stove and run water in it to clean it. And he's like, yeah. And I said, well, you're not supposed to do that with those pans. It can damage the pans. You're supposed to let them cool down first. He said, why can't I ever do anything nice to you without you criticizing me? Yeah. See, that's a that's a tricky one. And I'm like, I, I'm not criticizing you. I'm simply explaining to you the instructions for the pan care. And right. I don't want them to get ruined. And right. I don't think you want to ruin my pan purposely. So, like, I'm trying to explain to you not to do that. And he just got defensive and he was like, well, then I just won't wash any more pans. And I said, fine, just leave them dirty on the stove. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> I was reading this and I'm like, I think my husband needs to watch this video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Missy says, number one, remember that you're not in a contract, but a covenant. Contracts hold people to a set standard of action. The parties in a covenant work together to meet a common goal. Number two, as a wife, remember to give your husband an opportunity to hear you. And I would say vice versa. Mm -hmm. Um, So many times we assume they either already know what we think, feel, or want, and or we think they have already made up their mind about an issue. But it's a gift to give your partner the opportunity to hear what you want, feel, or need. 
And number three, one way I work to reconnect with my spouse after he has done something that has upset me is to do something nice for him. It's harder to stay mad at someone while doing something nice for them. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to have to try that. Yeah. (laughs) Linda V says, if it won't matter in five years, don't let it matter for more than five minutes. The little things are not worth the stress and strain on your relationship. Sometimes we have to let the little things go and save the time and energy for the really important stuff. I think that's really, really true. Yep. Yep. All right. Rhonda from, yep, exactly. Rhonda from Pennsylvania says, be the first to say, I'm sorry. It breaks down walls of defensiveness and promotes good communication and stronger intimacy. Also, don't go to bed angry. Resolve issues before you go to sleep, even if it's just agreeing that you'll talk about it together in the morning. Life is unpredictable and tomorrow is never guaranteed. And finally, always kiss each other goodnight. These are three of the things that have carried my husband and me through ups and downs to almost 30 years of marriage. And can I say that just because you say you're sorry does not mean that you are taking blame like, or saying blame you're wrong. Or ownership yeah. of, yeah. of guilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can, you can 100% say, I'm sorry I upset you. <laughs> That's I true. Mean, I'm really sorry I upset you. Yeah. Because you're crazy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you could think that last part in your head. Yeah. <laughs> so Shannon says, learn their love language and do your best to love them in that way. This was life-changing for my husband and me. It was then that I appreciated him washing my car and he understood why I needed a hug. Tell your spouse you are proud of them. Build them up in front of others and behind their backs. Nothing makes me happier than to find out my husband has been bragging about me when I'm not around. Prioritize your relationship. Put each other first, even before the kids. This can be challenging, but it's worth it. All right. And the last one, I can't believe we made it through all of these. These are so good, but we we did it. Stacy Nielsen says, it is never me versus you. It's always you and I versus the problem. This mindset has helped with every partnership and team dynamic. It's not enough to declare you're on the same team when someone is angry or upset. This changes the focus to identifying the problem and working out solutions. Winning an argument becomes less important than solving a problem. I love that. Well, everybody, thank you so much for sharing all those with us. And um, we actually got this turnaround in, what, less than 24 hours this episode? We had a guest who postponed her. She was supposed to come on today and she had to reschedule. We found out about it literally less than 24 hours ago, right? And so Sherry dropped this in this into the Life Lessons Facebook group. We got all of these, I think even more. This is just all we could we could fit in. Um but we got all these in less than 24 hours. So thank you so much everybody. We literally could not do this episode without you. It's so true. Thank you. And those were such good tips. And um, I love when we ask for for things like this. And like I said, we get a common theme that mm-hmm. runs throughout, you know, the kindness and the, the not holding a grudge and right. working together and communication. And I think that those are all the important threads that make a marriage work Yeah, or well, any relationship. There was a lot of great advice in there that like I had never really thought of or you know, that are just little tweaks a person can make to really strengthen their marriage or their relationship. Yep. 
All right, so now it's time for our listener-led lesson. Today's listener-led lesson comes from Christy Bear. She says, with graduation approaching, I found this blog post from Whitney Fleming Writes. That's the name of the blog post, Whitney Fleming Writes, to be really timely and wonderful advice. So in Whitney's blog post, Whitney Fleming Writes, she said, Last year at a graduation party, I watched as a, as guest after guest asked a young boy where he was headed to college after graduation. Each time he sheepishly replied, I'm taking the year off to work to save money. And after that, I'm not sure. People responded differently each time, such as, well, don't put it off too long. Or maybe you could just take a class or two or even, oh, interesting. Then one of my mom friends came over and asked the young man this. Are you doing anything fun after graduation? And his face lit up. He talked about traveling cross-country with his dad to visit 10 baseball stadiums and starting his new job at a big retail chain. He openly told her that he was also taking the summer to figure out if he thought college was right for him because he struggled in high school. As more and more students receive letters confirming where they're attending school next year, I keep thinking about the young man and the awkwardness he felt that day, answering question after question about something that did not pertain to him, making him feel less than his peers and uncomfortable. I resolved at that moment to stop asking seniors, where do you want to go to college? And instead, use my friend's line instead, do you have any fun plans after graduation? If a young person wants to share if they're going to go to college or any other plans, I'll leave it to them. But I don't want to be the reason they feel bad about their choice. Let's normalize that college isn't for everyone. Let's congratulate them on whatever choices they make for themselves. Let's celebrate the young people who make the best decisions for their unique needs. Let's take the pressure off what's next and instead ask about something fun. Let's stop thinking there's only one path to success. The graduation season is coming fast and many teens are stressed about their future plans. Let's try to celebrate where they are at this moment instead of putting pressure on what they're going to do next. And I just want to say, Christy, amen. Thank you for sharing that because, yes. you know, Sherry knows this about um, about me, but you know, I've got two boys. Cal knew exactly what he was going to do. He went off to Georgia Tech, had a 4.0, graduated in four years, met his now wife, did exactly what he wanted to do every step of the way. And then there's Will. Will is my my second child. He's right-brained. He's creative. He still doesn't want know what he's going to do. He's 23. Mm-hmm. Cal's 25. Will's 23. Will still doesn't know, you know, quote, what he wants to do when he grows up. Yep. He's always well, going to have art and music in his life. But he, the way he's going to earn money, he still hasn't figured that out yet. Right now he's working mm-hmm. landscaping. But, you know, he's figuring it out. And... And college is not the path the for grind. him. I was like, he could have done the grind. He could have gone to college because it was expect, expected of him. Right. But he wouldn't be any further along today no. unless he took a job that he didn't enjoy and was miserable. Well, you know, he went to Savannah College of Art and Design for a year and a quarter. And, you know, that was one of the hardest things that happened when he he was there and he was not doing well that, that second year. He made it through the first year, but the second year he wasn't going to class. He wasn't doing well. He had disconnected because he didn't know what he wanted to do. Nothing he was doing felt like the right fit, right? What right. he thought he wanted to do. And SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design, is so expensive, right? right? You know, we were paying for it. And he called me. He said, Mama, I want to come home right now. I want to come home. And, you know, instead of making him stick it out, I said, okay, come home after we had talked about it, which was hard to do. Right. You know, but, you know, you know, the saying throwing good money after bad, Mm -hmm. 
you know, we could have kept paying for him to live down there and making bad decisions. He wasn't going to recover from that. Mm -hmm. It was already so long into the, into the quarter he came home, you know, he could have spent our money for four years and gotten by and, and left no better off. But instead, you know, I respect the heck out of that decision to come on home and call it. He knew that wasn't what, what he was going to do. So yeah, we're putting way too much pressure on kids. They're they're so young; they don't even know what life is yet. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think part of it's just knowing your kid too. And yeah, you know, I knew my kid was not going to be a college kid, and I, from the time he was in middle school, encouraged him to find a different path after high school. And um, I don't know if I've shared this. The last few times I've talked to him, he was going to go to school to learn to work on airplanes. Right. Now he's decided he's going to pilot school. I love that. Wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> but see, yes. he's the same age as Will, mm-hmm. figuring it out. Yes. And, you know, help them to understand, you know, and I actually had this conversation with Will the other day. I'm like, you know, you might think it's easy for us to be proud of Cal because he knew what he wanted to do and he just did it. But he's never had an obstacle. He's never right. struggled. He's never had to figure things out. Of course, we're proud of his success, but I'm really proud of you, Will, for, you know, trying to figure it out even when things are hard and Mm -hmm. sticking with it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I told my son, I said, I'm like, that makes me really nervous. Well, first of all, (laughs) it's very expensive and he's taking out a giant student loan to pay for it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this makes me so nervous. And I told Eric when I got off the phone, I said, I don't know what I'm more nervous about, him flying an airplane or him taking out this giant student. Let him do it, mama. And um, but I just said, "Okay, I'm you know, I'm glad you've made up your mind and I wish you luck and whatever. But I did tell him, I said, I don't know. It makes me nervous to think of you flying an airplane. And he said, well, um, I don't ride a motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) True. And he said, because I know I would kill myself on a motorcycle. And I was like, okay, well, if I had to choose you on a motorcycle or in an airplane, I guess I would choose an airplane. Absolutely. That put in perspective for me. Well, at the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener. And today's quote is perfect for today's episode. And it was shared by Christy Bear. Uh, Do you know why? Our submission vault is empty. Oh, everybody, we need you. We need your submissions. We need you. We need your good news stories and your uh, life hacks and listener-led lessons and motivational quotes. So email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. So the quote is, staying in a relationship just because you love somebody isn't worth it. Love is not all you need. Respect is what you need. Time is what you need. Reassurance is what you need. Trust is what you need. Happiness is what you need. A best friend is what you need. Oh, I love that quote. Thank you, Christy. Thank you so much for joining us today. We would love to have you join us in the private Life Lessons VIP community. Go to lifelessonscommunity.com slash VIP to become a VIP podcast supporter. Your membership ensures that we can keep bringing you episodes of the Life Lessons podcast each week. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you haven't already, please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. Reviews really do help us reach new listeners. We're a community-driven podcast, and here's how you can be a part of our show each week. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, 
or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise that you would like to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com or use the link in show notes and then listen each week to hear your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.